We're in the traditional text of Luke chapter 1, if you have your Bibles. We're starting with verse 26 today. We've already seen in this series on angels the encounter that Zechariah had with the angel Gabriel in the holy place. So we looked at that two weeks ago, and last week we looked at Joseph's encounter with the angel. The angel's not named, but we assume that it is Gabriel as well. As Luke identifies Gabriel both with Zechariah and with Mary. And so today we're looking at this beautiful text, uh, traditional Christmas text from Luke 1 26, the Annunciation. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. And so we have the visit of the angel in Nazareth with Mary. Nine months later, Joseph and Mary will leave Nazareth to go to Bethlehem in Judea because that's where they have to be counted and taxed by the Roman Empire. And that's where Jesus will be born. And sometime after his birth, Herod, the king in Judea, will try to kill the heir to the throne and the Holy Family will flee from Bethlehem to Egypt. And we don't know how long, but for a time they will be refugees in Egypt, refugees from a, an angry king. And when they return, they intend to go back to Bethlehem at first. But because a son of Herod is on the throne in Judea, they instead go back to Nazareth. And Nazareth becomes the hometown of Jesus. So he was called a Nazarene, and we have the Nazarene church today. And in the first century, they called Christianity the sect 
of the Nazarene. So there's a connection there to Nazareth, which we assume was Joseph's traditional home, and Mary is there when she hears from the angel. Now, this angelic encounter is famous, and it's a famous greeting that the angel gives to Mary. Hello, hail, favored one, the Lord is with you. But it is a greeting that troubles Mary. Mary hears only these words. Hello, favored one, the Lord is with you. And she is greatly troubled about this greeting. And she wonders what kind of greeting this could be. For anybody who has a divine intervention in their life, I suppose there is fear. He says fear not later on. And maybe she is obviously upset and anxious, and that's why the angel says that. For anybody who's experiencing an intervention of God in their life, it's unusual, maybe unprecedented in their life, and Mary is troubled. Mary is a woman who thinks about things. She ponders things in her heart. We learn that not only here, and in these announcements and the things that happened before the birth of Jesus, but even after the birth of Jesus, when the angels are singing and the shepherds are spreading the good news, Mary is treasuring all these things and pondering them in her heart. It wouldn't be unusual for the first intervention of God in your life to be troubling, to cause you trouble. Maybe God's first word to you that you really hear is, I have seen your sin. Such is, in, is the case in, in many a life. And when Elijah continued to point out Ahab's sin, when Ahab showed up, or when Elijah showed up in front of Ahab, Ahab called him the troubler of Israel. There you are, you troubler of Israel, because he was being honest with the king. So it would not be unusual for you to be troubled if God interrupts your life. We all virtually believe in God. 90% of the population say they believe in God. And we gather here in this place of worship. And I wonder how many of us can point to something going on in our life that is of God. That we know this is God's doing. That God has interrupted our life. Joseph was interrupted by the angel in the holy plate. Uh, or by the, the angel in his uh, dream. And after that dream, when he said, okay, he's going to take Mary home to be his wife. His road from that time forward was a road of trouble. Joseph endured the sarcasm and disrepute that comes with having a wife who is pregnant before the marriage is consummated. He died before God's plan came to fruition. He never experienced so much of what his son taught and, and said and did and his life was on the run for the first part of Jesus' childhood. 
He said yes to the intervention of God in his life, and it initiated a time of trouble for him. And Mary's waiting on trouble too. And maybe you have experienced trouble in your life, in part because of the intervention of God. Circumstances beyond your control. God impressed on your heart to do something, and it ended up being a difficult thing to do. That happens sometimes. Sometimes the intervention of God brings trouble. So Mary hears this greeting that ought to be received with joy. Hello, favored one, the Lord is with you. And she experiences trouble. Maybe understanding that there's baggage that comes with this title and with this greeting. In her trouble, the angel says, fear not, I've got good news for you. And he gives her the announcement of the Savior's birth. Now, he says, your son is going to reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. It's a great announcement, but it is an announcement that perplexes Mary. She has this greeting that troubles her, followed by an announcement that perplexes her. And when the angel gets done giving this glorious announcement about the Savior's coming and how her son is going to be this great and eternal king, ringing in Mary's ears is the first part of what he said. You're going to conceive and bear a son. And her response is, how? How? How can this be? I'm a virgin. How can this be? The angel doesn't chide her for lack of faith. In Zachariah's case, when the angel makes the announcement that he and Elizabeth are going to have a child when they're old, Zachariah just doesn't believe it. He says, you know, we're old. And the angel points out, hey, you didn't believe my word. And the punishment of God comes on Zechariah because he asked how and didn't believe. But there's no indication that Mary lacks faith when the angel speaks to her. She's just perplexed. To everybody in the room who are sometimes perplexed, sometimes you want to ask how. Some of you, some of you have a how question. How can that happen? How can that be? How can that be the case? For everybody who has some perplexity, some questions that are unanswered, I want to say to you, perplexity is often the companion of faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen, the Scripture says. And sometimes perplexity is the companion of faith, not its enemy. So if you've got a how question in your life, how can this be? That's all right. Mary has a how question. And God's okay with questions. The angel is okay with Mary's question. How can this be? Your questions may indicate that you, in fact, are seeking to believe. 
may indicate the depth of your faith. Sometimes we chide ourselves because we have questions. The truth of the matter is that everybody in this room will go to the grave with unanswered questions. You're not going to get them all answered this side of heaven. And sometimes you say to people, you know, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask God about that. And you know in your heart, well, I might not actually ask God about that. Maybe everything will be self-evident then. But what you're saying is, I don't understand that. And I guess I won't ever understand it till I get on the other side of this life. So I'm content to live with this. I'm, I'm going to postpone my question now because one day I'll know. Things that are very clear, that are crystal clear to God, we see through a glass darkly, as the Apostle Paul said. One day we'll be face to face and we'll understand it better. But in the meantime, we have questions that sometimes don't have answers. And I would point out to you that when Mary says, how can this be since I am a virgin? The angel does not jump into a scientific explanation. But it is an explanation that satisfies her heart. The announcement perplexes her, but the explanation satisfies her. The announcement says, you're going to conceive and have a son. Mary's question is, how can this be? I'm a virgin. And the explanation is, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. Now, that's not really new language. The Holy Spirit came upon people like Samson and other folks in the Old Testament and they did great and mighty things or they prophesied. So this Holy Spirit would come and he would go in the Old Covenant. So when the angel says the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you, that's really not kind of unique language to Mary. And then he says, and the power of the Most High is going to overshadow you. Well, what does that mean? That's not really about DNA or chromosomes, is it? How can this be? Well, the power of the Most High is going to envelop you. And rather than a scientific explanation, the angel says to her, God is going to do this. God's going to do this. The idea of being overshadowed by God is also in the Old Covenant and the poet said in the old covenant that we would hide in the shadow of his wings and in the shadow of the almighty there was protection and comfort for all those who were anxious or hurting in the shadow of the almighty you could find his grace and the angel says the power of the most high is going to overshadow you Mary it's poetry it's a metaphor. A shadow doesn't have real substance. It indicates something of substance is present. But the shadow itself is cast by the absence of light. The angel's answer, the explanation for how this is going to be, is that God is going to do this. God's going to do it. 
And that's enough for Mary. That satisfies her to know that God is going to do it. She doesn't have to know the scientific explanation for how this could occur. She already knew, like you and I do, that babies require male and female. She already knew that. So how could this be? Well, God's going to do it. So that the son that you give birth to will be called the son of God, the angel says. And this is a phrase that we use often when we talk about Jesus as son of God and savior of the world. And Mary receives it by faith and trusts in it. Do you know, if you were to reject everything that you cannot explain by DNA and chromosomes and say that cannot be, do you know you still would have a life full of unanswered questions? Suspicions about realities that were beyond your ability to see, comprehend, or understand? That you cannot eliminate the unanswered question in your life, no matter what you do. Even if you reject belief in God, you still sit with so many unanswered questions. And so God calls us to trust Him in the midst of our journey, to believe that He is active in our lives. And this is the key for many who confess that God exists, do not seem to confess nor practice in their life that God is active in them. What Mary is discovering in the encounter with the angel is, God knows my name. He's not just a supreme being who created the universe. He knows my name. He knows my address. He knows where I live. He can find me. And God has a plan and purpose for my life. That's what Mary's discovered. I want you to make the leap from the notion of a passive God who may have created the world but is not involved anymore in it to the God of the Bible, the God of Jesus, the God of Mary who comes to us in our need and is active in our life. Jesus taught us so clearly, my Father is at work to this very day. Remember that verse? My father's at work to this very day. If you could confess in your heart, the God who made everything knows my name. He knows my address. And he has a plan and purpose for me. It would be life-changing. Part of the reason it's troubling is that it requires you to lay aside maybe some of the plans that you made. Mary might have had plans and visions of her future. I'm sure that she did. Every young bride does. And this announcement disturbs all those plans. This is not something she saw on the horizon. Everything now that she planned and put together and thought about her life, she is laying aside. And she has this 
faith response that we rehearse and remember. It is a beautiful response of faith. When the angel says, the Most High will overshadow you, Mary says, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me according to your word. This is a great confession. It is a faith confession. And it is a wonderful spot to be in your own spiritual journey. See, if you can embrace the idea and know this truth through Christ, that God knows your name and he knows your address and he has a plan and purpose for your life, then you can live in the circumstances and situation that you find yourself following God with courage and faith, knowing that he's working out his purposes in you. You can hear the greeting and bring it into your own heart. You can hear God say to you, hello, favored one. The Lord is with you. Jane, Adam, Mike, George. Hello, favored one. The Lord is with you. It's not a greeting unique to Mary. Others in the Bible have heard similar greetings from God. I think it's God's preferred way of greeting us when he intervenes in our life to say, you are my favored one. And I'm with you. And I'm calling you into a journey with me. And I'm going to watch over you through that journey, whatever comes. And yes, there are some things that will come that are painful. And this decision to be the Lord's servant and to confess in faith that you belong to him and to walk with him in obedience, this decision comes with some pain. It comes maybe with some heartache. It comes with some trouble. But you have this great assurance, even when the greeting troubles you and the announcement perplexes you, you know that God is with you. And so David the king wrote that psalm that we often recite. And he said, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. Thou art with me. This is really the great truth that sustains you when you're in the valley of the shadow. And some of you are right now. You're in that valley. You're dealing with death. You're dealing with sorrow. It's the holiday season and it's been tough. Even when I'm in this valley, I'm not afraid. Because I know you are with me. God is teaching Mary and revealing to Mary that she is never alone. And someone in this room has felt very alone this Christmas season. You felt isolated, cut off from your family and friends. You've been going about your routine and wondering what's special about the Christmas season because you feel like you're doing it all on your own. And the truth is you're not alone. That's the truth. You're not alone. Whatever the circumstance, whatever the valley, whatever the difficulty, God loves you. 
You are highly favored in his sight. And he is with you in your trouble. Now it takes faith to step into this place. I mean, you got to believe not only that God exists, but that he is good. Do you believe in the goodness of God? Do you believe that God has acted on your behalf, sending his son Jesus to rescue you from your sin? Do you believe that God has intervened in your life to forgive you, to make a way for you to be forgiven? Do you understand what marvelous truth this is? That we can be forgiven? You know, this is, this is in the heart of the message of the gospel. Call him Jesus. Why? He will save his people from their sins. And the good news of the gospel has in its very core this focus on our sinfulness. And it's a focus on sinfulness because we know, everybody knows, everybody in the room knows about sin. And you can search high and low the religious systems of the world and you will never find this kind of focus on the reality of sin and its forgiveness that comes from God. There's a God who loves you despite the moral failing, failing that you sense has happened to you. Your own disappointment and perhaps even shame about who you are and what you have done. God understands that. He knows that. He sent Jesus to address that in your life. He doesn't want you living with guilt and shame, dragging it around all your life. He sent Jesus to save you from that. That's the good news. The good news of the gospel does not ignore the trouble and sorrow and hurt in the world, nor in your life. The good news that the angels proclaimed in the fields of Bethlehem and the good news that Mary received at the Annunciation, this is good news that faces the reality of darkness and trouble and failure and sin. But he is the Savior who redeems us, who forgives us, who brings us into God's family and restores us. And the scripture teaches finally that in Christ, God is in the business of restoring it all. You in your need and the entire world in its need. Can you respond in faith this Christmas to all that God has done? Is it possible that there's enough of a flame of faith in you where you could say, Lord, I believe not only that you acted in sending your son Jesus, but that you are at work in my life this Christmas season. You are accomplishing things in me. And I'm experiencing the activity of God. If you confess that God knows your name and he knows your address and he's personally involved in your life, then you are getting to the heart of Christmas. This is what Christmas means. God with us. Let's bow together. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. I hope that you will respond in a similar way today because I know that God is speaking his word to, to people in this room. And maybe he's been calling you for a long time to trust Christ as Savior, to take a new step of faith, to follow through with baptism or 
to become a part of his church. And you've stood on the periphery of that. And this Christmas, maybe the heart of your worship is to say to God, God, I want to take that next step, what you're prompting me to do. I want to respond in faith. Lord, I pray for that man or woman, boy or girl, who needs to just believe that you have acted in Christ to save us from our sin, who just needs to personally receive Christ as Savior and Lord. I pray for that person who has been on the periphery of faith and their response is to step into the light. God, find us as you found Mary, ready to say, I am the Lord's servant. May it be according to your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.